Knock, knock. Who's there? A court case about a joke. It has been known to happen to me back in the day, but also in all sorts of places around the world. In fact, this month, the the world's leading satirical news source, The Onion, actually filed an amicus brief in the US Supreme Court in support of someone in trouble over a, a Facebook page that parodied police. Columbia University runs an online global database of freedom of expression case law. And this week, Columbia Freedom of Expression held a symposium called Laughing Matters, discussing humour and free speech in the digital age. One of the driving forces behind that conference is our guest on RN Now. Dr Alberto Godioli is an assistant professor in European culture and literature at the University of Groningen, and he's pulled together an interdisciplinary collaboration discussing the ways that courts deal with comedy all around the world. Dr Godioli, welcome to RN. Hello, hi, hello. Thanks great. for having me. It's a great pleasure to have you at the symposium. You talked about your humour in court, twenty twenty two to twenty twenty seven project. What's involved in that? Yeah, thanks. So uh, this is indeed a, a five year research project uh, running from two thousand twenty two to two thousand twenty seven. It's funded by the Dutch Research Council, uh, NVO, and that's the acronym for the Dutch Research Council. And it's basically a project about uh, trying to to uh, set the basis for improving the way in which courts of law approach the interpretation of humor mm. in court. Okay, so you say That's improving, and, yeah. And, and yeah, so there's a premise there, which is that courts don't deal with interpretation <laughs> of comedy uh, very well. W- why do you think that, uh, Alberto? And uh, and what got you interested in in this area of research? Yeah, right. So the starting point of the project was indeed the observation that that uh, courts of law, even within the same given judicial system, so say the European Court of Human Rights, for example, or other uh, national or supranational uh, courts or systems, uh, so they, they tend to have a bit of an inconsistent approach to the interpretive issues created by humor in court. So, for example, the fact that the same joke or cartoon or meme can be interpreted often in very different ways by mm-hmm. different audiences, uh, the, how difficult it can be sometimes to assess to what extent the, the, the author, the, 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 the joker or the cartoonist should be held accountable for different interpretations of the, of the same joke, some of which may or may not be harmful or... Uh, unlawful in some cases, etc. So we are really focusing on these interpretive issues that have to do with the several different possible meanings or readings of the same mm. joke. Mm. And the basic idea is that that's precisely where interdisciplinary dialogue can help. So dialogue between the law on the one hand and on the other hand, people with a background in the humanities, for instance, who are uh, trained in, in these uh, interpretive matters, so to speak. Yeah, right. Experts, uh, literary and interpretive witnesses in court might be needed because the Laughing Matter Symposium brought together people from all over the world with an interest in the way that courts deal with jokes. Could yeah. you give us some examples of some of the, the run-ins between comedy and law all around the world that were discussed at the symposium? Yeah, sure. Well, there were so many very interesting cases that have been discussed during the day and many of which I was not aware of at all. So that was indeed one of the yeah. duties. So what, yeah, what caught your attention? Event. I mean, uh, there were several interesting cases from Australia, for example, that, uh, that I would be happy to further elaborate on sure. in a second. 
some other cases from well from the European Court of Human Rights it, itself, which uh, we also presented as part of the corpus that we are dealing with, uh, with our project, which has mostly a European focus, but ideally we will try our best to branch out and to uh, identify some uh, points or guidelines that can be useful for other judicial systems as well, cases from Brazil, the US, South Africa, and so on and so forth. And, um, and are these sort of cases of people involved, uh, facing uh, criminal charges or is it people being sued for things like defamation? And, and, and what sort of consequences has it had for the, the comedians and satirists involved? Yeah, it's a bit of both really. And there's a, a very wide range of offences or charges uh, that we also discussed yesterday. Hate speech clearly came up a lot. Defamation also also did. Many cases had to do with the fine line sometimes between parody and defamation, which is something that the recent letter written by the Onion uh, to the Supreme Court also goes back to a lot because that is actually what the, 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 the case that they wrote a letter about uh, ultimately boils down to. So this line between parody and defamation. Mm. One case that we discussed during our uh, first presentation of the project was an interesting case about a meme from the High Court of England and Wales that had to do with a famous meme picturing the actor Liam Neeson from the film Taken. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you are familiar with that meme yeah. template, but it's taken from this scene where Liam Neeson says, uh, I will look for you, I will find you, and I will kill you. So a medical student posted this meme on the Facebook wall of another student who apparently interpreted it as a literal death threat, reported it to the university office. The university eventually decided to expel the student who posted the meme from the university and to declare him unfit to practice medicine. So it's clearly a very harsh punishment. And this really shows how, uh, how badly things can go when the joke uh, yeah, falls flat or goes wrong, no? Or yes, indeed, or is not received by the audience. Yeah, ways. yeah. Although yeah. I suppose in that yeah. case you do wonder how, how exactly it was intended. Um, but, of course, if, you know, a, a grab like that played between friends could, of course, be received um, mm -hmm. humorously, but, uh, but it's had very severe consequences there. And indeed, I believe that's that's part of the theme of what was discussed about Australian law at the uh, Laughing Matters Symposium, Alberto, the, the extent to which humour might be used as, or, uh, as a sort of guise for mm. hate speech and whether it's possible for courts to sort of um, discern the difference between the two or work out situations where uh, what's masquerading as humour is in fact just, just vilification or hate speech. Yeah, indeed, that is precisely one of the, the main focus points of our project as well. So trying to uh, find some guidelines or, or key points for courts to focus on in order to adopt a more systematic approach to jokes or cartoons which may or may not uh, boil down to hate speech or uh, be used to convey your disguise hateful messages. Context clearly plays a crucial role there and, and, and that can be indeed a decisive factor to assess whether like, for example, a cartoon is indeed meant to convey a hateful message or rather being a, a parody of a hateful message. This is something that happened also recently in a case 
that was discussed by the oversight board of Meta, or uh, Facebook. It was the about, Facebook uh, Supreme um, Court, as it's sort of colloquially known. <laughs> precisely, precisely. And one of the of, of the memes at the center of one of the cases that they discussed was indeed an example of something that was supposed to be a parody or a satire of racist hate speech that was actually interpreted in the first degree you know, uh, mm. at, the, uh, at the first stage. And then it was indeed necessary to go back to the original context and, um, yeah, indeed assess that um, that was actually not the original intention. The original intention was the opposite. Mm, but mm. that's not always that clear. And there is indeed an increasing attempt or an, uh, um, an increasingly widespread strategy on the part of, uh, like, extreme right-wing actors, for example, to use irony as a way to, to cloak or disguise actual hate speech, you know, and then uh, try to, to hide behind the excuse of, uh, well, I was just joking, clearly. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. On so, RN, we are speaking with Dr. Alberto Godioli, who was one of the conveners of the Columbia Freedom of Expression Symposium, Laughing Matters, Humour and Free Speech, in the digital age. Uh, Alberto, um, I mentioned the the Onion amicus brief. It really is a very funny uh, document mm. that's been submitted to the Supreme Court. I think I can say without any hesitation, the funniest Supreme Court document I've ever read. Um, what is that case all about? And more importantly, how did you manage to convince the head writer of The Onion to speak at your symposium? Yeah, that's a very good question. Thanks. Uh, well, so uh, the the... the letter that was written by the Onion to the Supreme Court, also known as an amicus brief, uh, was about uh, uh, the, the Novak v. Parma case, which is a case that started in, in the state of Ohio, and it had to do with a, a parody uh, website that, that, that was meant to satirize the police on the, in the uh, town of Parma, and uh, that started like a long uh, series of uh, clearly... Uh, tensions and controversies uh, that went up to the court. And and we go back indeed to the issue of the line between parody and actual defamation. And one thing that the letter by The Onion points out very clearly is the importance of uh, incongruity. No? So the, 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 the line between parody and defamation should be uh, clear and should be uh, marked by the fact that what is being stated in the joke is clearly implausible and a reasonable reader or reasonable audience uh, would not be able to take it seriously precisely because of its comic incongruity. Mm. And uh, so the letter by The Onion insists on this notion of the reasonable audience a lot. And a satirist could not uh, write or try and function under well, with the fear of being misunderstood all the time. So yes, indeed. And I'll, ju- I'll, I'll just quote the, the yeah, I'll yeah. just I'll just quote the the end of the the Onion Amicus brief. It says the petition for certiorari should be granted, the rights of the people vindicated, and the various historical wrongs remedied. The Onion would welcome any one of the three, particularly the first. It is, and, and it's a yeah. it's a great sort of recap of some of the Onion's great headlines, including one of my yeah. favourites: Supreme Court rules that Supreme Court rules, which is a great um, yes, example of the of the Onion's classic. um, classics. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we've had a text in as well, noting that judges do sometimes display a very good sense of humour. One of the other great viral videos of, I 
think it was uh, last year was the one where there was a Zoom court hearing in one of the the the, the um, uh, older lawyers uh, was unable to get a cat filter off mm-hmm. his face during the session. The yeah. judge in that case dealt with that with with a very good sense of of humour and and in fact used it to sort of um, talk you know talk about the importance of the both the court process but also uh, not taking everything so seriously. Um, Alberto, uh, having I believe that you're really trying to push forward with this um, interest in. Um, humour in the law and that you've created not a forum but a, a thing called For Hum. Uh, what is yes. For Hum all about? Thanks for pronouncing it that way. We really care about the age uh, <laughs> in the middle of the forum. So, uh, yeah, like we're still trying to figure out the correct way to pronounce it, but this sounds like a like the best possible approximation, I think. So, uh, forum is a, for, or For Hum is a platform also known for Forum for Humour and the Law. Um, you can find us at the website www.forhome.org. And it's meant to be a platform for lawyers, artists, comedians, legal and humor scholars, or anybody really who is interested in the intersection between humor, free speech, and related legal matters. Really. And we have a blog section that we are starting soon. I mean, it's already there, the infrastructure is already there, and we are really now kickstarting the website. And, and we have a searchable database as well that, that already features more than 100 cases. And we are going to develop it in the coming months and in the five years of the project, also in dialogue with global freedom of expression. And the idea is to, to turn that into a, an extensive and constantly updated repertoire of uh, legal cases about humor, satire, and free speech from all over the world. Mm. And the purpose of that is precisely to, to, to give people who care about these topics a tool to try and compare different outcomes from different judicial contexts. And that could be a starting point to reflect on what are the best practices, what uh, sometimes is missing in, the, in, in uh, landmark judgments that could uh, set or not set a precedent for future rulings. So yeah. it's a starting point to try and reflect on what could the, the, the best most useful guidelines be it it sounds like a very worthwhile endeavor um alberto we wish you all the best with it we've only got a short time left but i realize i didn't uh get you to reveal how you managed to snag the onion head writer to speak (laughs) at your conference yeah it's really the randomness and the mysterious ways of twitter and social media (laughs) so i got in touch with with uh, a senior editor from the onion via twitter precisely because after reading the letter, the amicus brief from The Onion, I, both, both I and Laura Little, uh, who is a law professor from Temple Law School, uh, and I co-organized yesterday's event with her. We were both really interested in the letter and interested in knowing more about how it came about. So I reached out to the senior editor from The Onion via Twitter, who in turn put us in contact with Mike Gillis, with the um, head writer of The Onion and the co-author. Yeah, and he came brief. into you, and I think it was from, um, uh, beamed in from a, a motel while he was on holiday. So that exactly. was a very good get. Yeah, so, Alberto, thank you so much absolutely. for speaking with us on uh, Radio National today. Thank you for having me. That, it was great talking to you. You too. That's Dr. Alberto Gordioli, Assistant Professor in European Culture and Literature at the University of Groningen, but also uh, one of the co-conveners of Laughing Matters, Humour and Free Speech in the Digital Age. ABCRN helps you understand the world. 
Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.